Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers who make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week we're joined by 2023 World Off-Road Championship Series Women's Pro Motorcycle Champion, Caitlin Jacobs. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video-on-demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind-the-scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website, and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real-time series updates and original content. What's up, Kevin? How's it going this week? Are you finally getting over this crud or what? Like, it seems like every week I talk to you, you're getting a little better, but now you got snow, you said, so hopefully that doesn't make you take a step backwards. I actually lost both of my legs over the weekend. I'm really happy that you... Yeah. <laughs> I, forgot to, I forgot to tell you in our little warm-up before I pressed record, I'm, I'm recording from the hospital right now. It did seem like for a while, I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I am doing better. It did get a lot worse weather-wise in central Ohio this weekend, but I think it's supposed to warm up by the middle of this week. So it's like winter just came, and then it sounds like it's going to go pretty soon. Well, at least it didn't affect your editing skills because the you know the episode sounded great. No, I just use an AI editing tool now. I, I outsource all my work. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell our bosses. Just type in all the prompts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell our bosses that. I, I spend 30 seconds, uh, but I make it. I build them for 12 hours, so... <laughs> Uh, and we'll just edit that part out of the podcast as well and yeah, we will move they on probably don't um, listen anyway so might as well leave it in there that's a good point let's see if they are listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> well did you catch i did send you the cliffs notes you know for this past week's supercross so i don't know if this has ever been done i'd be curious to look this stat up and i'm sure all the stat geeks that you know help out the supercross series now will come up with this piece of information but i think there's never been two mud races like that in a row in the supercross series like they might be spaced out a few races but not in a row and so it's just been brutal on the the teams and the mechanics and the equipment and it's got to be costing some money this year yeah i I did watch the 20 minute edit that you sent me um the very first question i have written at the top of my page is what is the tide budget for every team for one of these races. Yeah, no doubt, right? I mean, I think some of that gear, they just probably give it away to fans, you know? Like, fans absolutely love that. Anything for free. Goggles, gloves, they don't care if it's something that a rider wore in a race and it's race-worn muddy. Like, that's even better. They're probably, some people probably take it home won't even wash it. So when you're racing in mud like that, Dale, like, how 
how does that affect your strategy going into the race? Like, what do you have to do differently or what do you have to be more mindful of? Really, you got to flip on the switch to just make it fun. Because if you make it work, it's you're going to just struggle. Because I mean, mud, mud's one of those things, you have to ride very loose on the motorcycle. Otherwise, you just tighten up and you get arm pump and, and you end up fighting the bike. You know, it's kind of like if you've ever gone snowboarding and like if you're first starting out, you end up being really stiff and fighting the board and you just wear yourself out really quickly. So same thing on the dirt bike. If you can relax, relax your grip, you know, be loose on the bike, carry a lot of forward momentum, obviously get a good start, as you saw, you know, like the start's pretty important in those mud races, but yeah, staying loose on the motorcycle, keeping forward momentum. If you slow down too much, your tires get clogged up or you, you know, you just don't carry enough forward momentum to keep the bike going straight. So there's definitely some little tricks, you know, there's some riders that just absolutely love it. And I think that going in with that kind of mindset really helps you a lot. And mud can make a rider that's like a Jet Lawrence look like a beginner out there. But that just shows you how difficult the conditions are. Because when somebody at that level, when you see them struggling that much, you know, like the average mortal would be just, you know, on the ground in a few feet. So I know I you you keep on talking about Jet Lawrence and how how good he is. And I I was watching that video just like waiting for him to just like smoke everybody. And there was like one set of whoops, I think, where like he he broke away and then like immediately he crashed his bike. So even I was like, man, like if this is like the goat right now, he seems like he's, he's really struggling through some of these muddy pits. Yeah, you saw, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because he made this incredible pass where he goes from like fourth or something to first, passes everybody in the whoops like it like it's dry. And then the next lap, he comes around and he tries to hit him the same way and goes off the track and falls down. And I think he ended up third in that race. But yeah, the mud has a tendency to do that. You know, it can make a rider that's extremely skilled look like they're just a, you know, a beginner. But another thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you caught this at all, but this was a retro themed race, yeah. the San Diego yeah. event. And so it was so cool. I love seeing all that 1980s, 1990s gear. And then they had graphics on their motorcycles that were all retro themed. And like Yamaha had white motorcycles, you know, and it was just really cool to see all the different gear. And uh, that kind of made me think of some of the sponsors from back in the 80s when I raced. And so I made a little list of some of the sponsors that are kind of eye-opening that would probably never even be considered today. <laughs> All right, let's hear him. Yeah. So like, obviously my era was like, like 1989 was probably my final year, where I, my best year. Camel Cigarettes was the sponsor this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so unreal. The cigarette choice of athletes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Smoke in between motos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, from 1983 to 1984, it was Wrangler Jeans, another classic. And then, uh, let's see, 1985 was Miller High Life. That was the title sponsor of Supercross. Okay. 86, I think they didn't have a title. And then 87, 88 was Coors Light as the title sponsor. Goes great with the Camel cigarette. <laughs> another fantastic one. And then from 89 to 94, it was that five years that it was Camel as the title with, uh, I think Coors Light was kind of a step below. So it was, it was Camel and Coors Light simultaneously. So the, the years where the beer companies were sponsoring the races, did you have to shotgun beers between laps or no? No, but I will say that they used to do, you know, like they would kiss the trophy girls on the podium and they would drink beers. And I mean, it was such a different era where like you would immediately be in, in some serious trouble today if you did any of you know, half the stuff that they did back then on the podium you know some things have improved with age and with time and i think getting rid of the the cigarette sponsors and you know not forcibly kissing women after you win is probably a couple of things that that we as a culture have been improved upon so that's great yeah but the the vests and the jerseys and stuff that they're wearing uh over the weekend were pretty rad lots of neon pink lots yeah. of neon green well, I could send you some photos and you'd probably fall out of your chair laughing if you saw them of me with my 
neon like green shorts on and my, my neon yellow uh, gator sunglasses with chrome lenses, uh, mirrored lenses on them and had frosty tips, you know, back then on my hair. And so, <laughs> you know, you had me, you had me until the frosted tips. I was about to say, Dale, all of that has come around back in style. But as soon as you said frosted tips, we have not circled back to that yet well i'm curious to know though so what which period did you musically now since that's your forte you know what what did you like better musically 80s or 90s music i feel like i'm a 90s guy like nirvana radiohead uh portishead is a one of my favorite 90s bands um i'm generally not a fan of the 80s music production like the huge sounding drums with the gated reverbs on it and you know all these (laughs) funny the synth yeah synthesizers. funny you know keyboard sounds but if i had to pick one decade to listen to it probably be the 90s what about you yeah no, that's a tough one too like i think i like the fashion and just like the vibes of the 80s but i think i like the music I, i'm probably with you on the 90s music nostalgia for me is definitely like 80s are kind of my sweet spot that was like my late teen years or in the early 20s and so that's probably what i would lean towards for day to day but definitely for music i go with the 90s like you let me ask you this though so it's the year 1990 uh, for you, Dale. All right. You got your frosted tips popping. Okay. You got your neon jumpsuit and everything like that. You're driving to a race. What's your playlist? What's your mixtape, I should say, that you listen to to psych yourself up to win first place that day? I mean, I'd say it would be a mix between something like Nirvana that's a little harder, kind of get me amped up, and hip hop because I like, I was really into hip hop and. I don't remember exactly when like NWA came out, but I just remember like that music just blew my mind. When that came out, I was just like floored. I remember having headphones on because of course there's lots of swearing in it. And so like, you know, my dad couldn't hear it. I was like, oh my gosh, my dad heard this. I'd be in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it just blew me away. It was just so energetic and just like, wow, it really got me amped up. So I can't name song names off the top of my head, but those two genres are really probably what I went to as far as getting me amped up to ride my dirt bike. Speaking of being in the zone, I'm sure we'll hear some more cool racing stories from our guests that's coming on here, Caitlin Jacobs. I think she's got a cool background. 2021 West Harris Scrambles champ, and then she's our defending uh, World Off-Road Championship. That's works. That's a work series women's pro champion from last year. So looking forward to uh, talking with her. So might as well go ahead and start this week's guest interview. Sounds good. Let's do it. Caitlin Jacobs, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for agreeing to come on today. How are you today? I'm doing great, and uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited. Absolutely. Well, with the uh, Works and NGP series ending, they're in a long series, aren't they? Because like they end in November, and then you start your series again in January. Not much of an off-season for you, was there? Honestly, it may not have seen like for most people, but this was the first time we've really gotten an off season ever since COVID kind of happened. The past few years, we've actually ended like end of November, beginning of December, where this year it honestly felt like forever until we started racing again. So I'm excited that the seasons have finally started back up. And I personally like filling all of my weekends with racing. Uh, That's when I find like I get better on the bike and I'm always racing and always having that race intensity. Definitely. Well, any changes here during this short off season? I think you've been riding now for the Mike Hurlburt's RPM team for I think two or three years now. And looks like you re-signed with him again for 2024. 
Yeah, I've been riding for uh, Mike on the RPM team. This is my fourth year with Mike. So we've been together for a little while. Uh, Everything on the bike is pretty much the same. The only thing I changed coming into the 2024 year was uh, I switched up my training program. I'm now training with Robbie Bell. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Ex-Works champion. and Yeah. I feel like there's no one better to kind of learn from with the fitness side of things and riding side. And he's helped me a lot with my nutrition and my vitamins and talking about that and learning my body and everything like that. So it's been a lot to take in this off season, but it's been so helpful and I'm so excited for the future with Robbie. Yeah. Not, I think I saw where, did he just recently kind of like end his race team and then now he's focusing entirely on training? Yep. Yeah. So no more. Cause I, his team was pretty successful there for quite a number of years. I think with Kawasaki, you know, support. Yeah. It's a bummer to see another team go away, but back to like the team you ride for RPM. I had Mike on, you know, I think maybe a month or so ago and he just, you know, Mike and Sherry over there, they just seem like such great people, down to earth people. They give you the shirt off their back to help you out. And they've been around for 20 plus years now. So there's, there's a lot to be said for a team like that, that has longevity and you probably have just a good vibe and good environment over there. Oh yeah. It's an awesome environment. Mike and Sherry, they're honestly like family more than being team owners. So it's, super nice to be around. And this was always my dream to be on Mike's team. He's had so much success with just the women in general with Casey Martinez and Maria Forsberg. And growing up, Casey Martinez was my idol and I wanted to do everything she did and kind of follow in her footsteps. And RPM was that first stepping stone for her. So uh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, congrats. First off on your, your 2023 works title. I mean, I'm sure that had to have been fun to bring to the team and Gosh, I can imagine just how fun it was when after winning that title, just being around that, you know, that good good group of people. Yeah, good group of people. And then I have some awesome teammates too. So that made it all that much better. And Tristan wrapping up the Pro 125 championship around later was super awesome too for the team. So uh, it's cool to see. And I'm stoked to finally get a Pro Women Championship under my belt at Works. And uh, I'm hopefully looking for more this year. Well, I think you got a new teammate this year too. I think, uh, is it Jason Donner's son? I think he's from Washington area. That's kind of another up and comer, second generation racer. Yeah, we got Jaden Donner's as well on the team, as well as uh, the Australian Mason Simmons who came over from the East Coast. So we got the two of them this year. So that'll be super cool. Awesome. Do you guys get to train together? Like, are you all kind of just doing your own thing? Uh, I ride with Jake and Tristan here and there. Even though we're both like Southern California, they are still like kind of three hours away. So we'll meet up at Glen Helen and ride at Glen Helen here and there. And then with Mason coming down, Mason pretty much works out of my garage. So I go ride with them quite a bit and I've shown them some of my spots where I ride and the sand tracks and everything like that. But other than that, that's really about it. Well, I think I saw where like you grew up in more in the northern part, like in the San Jose area, if I'm not mistaken. And then now you moved down to Wildemar, kind of that Murrieta, you know, where the KTM facility is at. There's a ton of tracks in the area. Mm-hmm. Now, I assume that's probably part of the reason you moved down there just to kind of be able to train and be able to do everything in all in one location. Yeah, that was a huge part of why my dad and I moved down here. Um For the most part, where I was at in the Bay Area, I didn't have many places that were super close to ride. Once the local track 408 closed, there was nowhere for me to ride during the weeks after school, especially like this time of the year where the sun goes down at about 435 o'clock. Yeah. So that was a lot to do with it. And then all of the racing I was doing was down here anyways, and we're down here pretty much every weekend. So the drive, we were like, we could just save money on gas. It was cheaper for my dad to buy a house down here. So ultimately, this is just kind of where we ended up. 
Nice. Well, that, I think that's an underrated area. Yeah. I think they call that, what, the Inland Empire? It seems like one of the more affordable places in Southern California to live as well. So it seems like a good spot. It is. And it was a lot cheaper than uh, where we were at in the San Jose, Los Gatos kind of area. I can imagine. Well, I want to go back and just kind of find out a little bit more about like how you even got into off-road racing. Did your dad introduce you? Was he into racing or you know, how did it all begin? My dad, before I was born, he used to road race, actually. Uh, He never rode dirt bikes growing up or anything like that. But once my mom got pregnant with me, she's like, hey, we have a kid on the way. You can't be road racing. That's dangerous. Can't have you getting (laughs) hurt. (laughs) So he was like, all right, well, the dirt hurts a little less. So I'm going to just go ride my dirt bike. So that was kind of how it started. He put me on a 50 when I was super young. And it just kind of took off from there. I think the first day he put me on it, I was just spinning circles all day and couldn't pull me off it. And then we just kind of grew up trail riding, doing family camping trips. And then when I was about 13 or 14 years old, we found a Brian Garahan summer camp for kids Mm. uh, that had to do with dirt bikes. And I was like, that's way better than going to the YMCA. (laughs) So (laughs) my dad enrolled me in that and it took off from there, the training with Brian. And Brian was the one who got me into racing and I started racing local stuff, District 36. And then I started putting moto into it and riding the moto tracks, which is really what helped me progress. I think I did my first work race with Brian as well. I think Brian took me to my first one. So I really have to give everything up to Brian. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even know what racing is. For those out there that might not know, like he's definitely an off-road legend. You know, he's won probably, I think multiple like hair scramble titles. I don't remember if he won an enduro title, but I know he was pretty good enduro rider too, I think. But he has a lot to do with that new Silver King. I think it is like Northern California hard enduro event. Yeah, the Donner one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's one of those guys where it's just like, it could probably get pretty ugly if you go on a trail ride with them where you're like winching bikes up hills and things oh, like that. Yeah. But <laughs> I can't tell you how many kids that like accidentally went the wrong way and we just left them out there and he's like, they'll figure out how to get back. I'm like, you're, you're brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so don't go the wrong way with Brian on a trail. <laughs> Some serious tough love there, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd never even heard of this before, and I've been around, seems like, forever. But tell us about these Hollister Hills para-scrambles. Like, I'd never heard of these where it's not really even a race. From I think it says ages 6 to 15, they're beginner riders, and then you, you kind of like do an average time event that's not a race. I mean, what a cool idea. That was probably the first race I ever did. Um, there's two a year, I think, one around this time, and then there's one later in the year. And like, I know like for the little kids, the clutchless bikes, your parent will actually like follow you the whole time and it's single file start. So they let you off. I want to say like 15 seconds apart, maybe 30 seconds apart from one another. And then it's just kind of adjusted time on that. But, um, it's a good way to get into racing for sure. It's not as intense. It's mellow and everyone's just there to have a good time. You add in like things like the strider bikes and just all the progression we've had there, like these kids now can be so young and they're already learning amazing skills. And then you put them in something like this where it's low pressure. Let's face it, you know, your first race, I don't know about you, but for me, I was so nervous. I think I was going to throw up, you know, it was just, it can be intimidating. Let's put it that way. Super intimidating. So I think that was a good stepping stone for me and kind of like learning what racing was. And then also having my dad there with me because 
especially as a girl that young, we can't always pick up our bikes. So <laughs> it was nice to have my dad behind me too, if I needed them. <laughs> well, when, when was it that you kind of thought to yourself, Hey, I, th- I might be able to go pretty far in this off-road motorcycle racing thing. Ever since I found out who Casey Martinez was that first year doing Brian's summer camp because she was at the local tracks in Livermore. Ever since then, I was like, I want to be her. I want to be just like her. And I kind of did everything in my power that I could to get to where I am now. I was riding all the time after school. At the time, I couldn't drive. So I rode my bicycle after school to the gym, did a CrossFit class, and then I'd ride my bicycle home and then do all my homework. So I was kind of doing everything that I could to help myself get better on the bike. And then the wind started clicking off. I raced my first year in C women, and then I went to B women for a year, won a championship at West Hair Scrambles, and then I progressed to the A class pretty quick. I stayed in A for two years, and then I was in the women's pro class and was a podium contender right away. Yeah, I mean, you picked a fabulous person to be your role model. I mean, Casey Martinez, even Maria Forsberg also rode for RPM. So, I mean, I feel like you had some really fantastic role models. You know, that that was kind of the little extra spark that, that motivated you. Absolutely. And then not only that, but being able to watch Casey ride like during the week at Club Moto was super inspiring. And she was so nice and so supportive. Anytime I saw Casey, you know, she would always come over, say hi. Then when I started doing the Big Six series, that was the year Casey won her championship. So knowing Casey there and being able to get to know her a little bit more with that too was super awesome. She seems like she's so nice and just an open book. She's probably happy to help you out. Oh yeah. And she's like that with all the women. And that's how I want to be for the younger generation because I know how much she inspired me. And, you know, I want to be that for the younger girls growing up. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Let's fast forward to the present. So what what does your day-to-day look like these days? You know, like you said, you're living down in Southern California. Is racing a full-time job for you now? I would say racing is kind of like my part-time job because I have another part-time job. I actually work for EMT Racing during the week. Oh, okay. EMT is awesome. They understand that I'm racing and that I'm full-time training on and off the bike. And they let me pretty much come in and out whenever I need to. Uh, which is super nice. Absolutely. So now that you've won this Works Pro title and, uh, you know, what's the next goal on the list? I think I saw where you actually have already done some GNCC racing. So, you know, maybe something like Baja or Dakar. I don't know. I mean, do you have any like bucket list things that you want to do here in the future? Yeah, I did a couple of GNCCs in 2022 and I loved it. Ultimately, that's where I want to go. And that's where the racing kind of is for the women. They have a stacked class coming into this year. So uh, here in 2024, I want to get out there and uh, try and be competitive again and go out there and have some fun in the trees and learn a little bit more of that style of racing because it is so different than the Grand Prix stuff that we're doing out here. Um, I feel like the West Coast can be summed up with rocks and the East Coast with tree roots. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) 
Well, I noticed also, like, and I was curious to know if you were going to maybe do a few of these rounds, but the Women's Pro Motocross Championships, the WMX, is back with eight rounds for 2024, which is super cool. Yeah. Uh, are you going to race a few of those in that series? Yes, I definitely want to do a few. I think I want to say there's two that are with the Outdoor National Series. I know it's another national, and I want to do those two this summer for sure. Yeah, I mean, those tracks are just so cool, the national tracks, to be able to experience them on a national day, too, because the tracks can be completely different. You know, like a sea change, like a Red Bud is a perfect example. You go there on a local race, it's nothing like it is for the national. So yeah. yeah, being able to experience those national tracks and how the how the riders even set up the ruts and the corners and everything, it's pretty cool. Exactly. And I just want to see this sport for the women grow. And I really like racing moto and I've always wanted to go up to Canada and do the women's triple crown series up there. So I'm excited and hoping that those women come down here too and we can all kind of travel together and make it big again. I'm surprised that it hasn't come back, you know, stronger sooner mm -hmm. just because I feel like there's so many women racing these days, which is awesome to see the sport just continues to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I was surprised it didn't come back sooner, but you know, it's a good start and hopefully they'll even maybe go to where it's in conjunction with all the outdoor nationals. I really think that's where it needs to be. I a hundred percent agree with that. It, uh, if it steers that direction, you could probably find me at the whole series. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they were getting more manufacturers, like I just saw this morning, like Ducati released their bike. We've got Triumph. We've got Beta. Like there's so many manufacturers where that just gives more opportunities for racers to have a ride. Exactly. Hopefully that'll, you know, maybe two, three years, we'll be back up to a nice national level women's series. That'll be awesome to see. It'd be super cool, yeah. So like beyond racing, like have you ever considered like at some point, down the road are you thinking about maybe staying in the industry like work for a brand or maybe be a trainer because like i saw where you helped out with that uh, babes in the dirt event in october so i don't know if that's something you might have interest in down the road i've thought about it on and off working in the industry or kind of being like a woman's trainer and right now i just i have so many ideas in my head and what i want to do i just can't kind of narrow it down to one thing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of my problem with it. I also think it's a good problem to have because then at least I'm open to doing kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. Get to experience a lot and see what, see what you like, see what fits. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, I'm curious to know what is the best thing to you in your mind? The first thing that comes to mind, that's the best thing about riding a dirt bike. Like what gives you the biggest rush? Ooh, the biggest rush. I'd probably have to say just that free feeling when you're on the bike, like you can kind of release anything that you're thinking about, you're stressed out about anything like that. That's probably my favorite feeling on the bike. And then when everything's flowing and everything's clicking too, and you're just, you feel so good on the bike, there's nothing that can replace that feeling. I mean, I hate to, it's probably overused these days, but you know, the flow state, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, really that's what it comes down to. Like everything, nothing else matters really. Yeah. And you're just focused on riding. Yeah, exactly. There was a few weeks ago, I was out at Glen Helen with Robbie and we rode up, like we made a little track up on the ridges and our second like 35 minute moto, I felt so good. I was flowing. I was like jumping on the ridges. It was so much fun. And we finished and Robbie just looks at me. He's like, did that feel as good as it looked? And I was like, yeah, it did. <laughs> there's nothing that can compare to that feeling. I agree. And I think it is visible. Like you said, like Robbie, you know, mentioned that he, he brought it up. Sounds like, and, but I, when I'm watching the supercross, like you can tell when a rider's in that flow state, you know, like there's yeah. just, it's visible, yeah. you know? And so over time, you kind of just learn to kind of pick up signs 
of if a rider's stiff or if, you know, if they're loose on the bike, you know, it's noticeable. Exactly. I mean, I just, it kind of gets me excited just talking with you about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what she's, what she's talking about. (laughs) I'm looking out my window right now talking about it. It's raining. I'm like, oh, I just want to go ride. (laughs) Well, here's another, like, might be a little different question, but what's something surprising that people might not know about you? Like, Maybe you can, you're good at juggling or you can ride a unicycle. You're a unicycle expert. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Those are just a few examples. Um, Something that people may not know about me. Even though I ride dirt bikes and I am a big tomboy in that way, I am such a girly girl at heart though too. I love shopping. I love <laughs> playing with makeup, doing my nails. I love it all. So That's awesome. That's a good one. I like it. What about, uh, what are some of your bucket list races or places you'd like to visit on a dirt bike, whether it's just going for a ride or riding in New Zealand or, you know, going to your favorite outdoor track that you've never been to? Yeah. Um, a bucket list race for me is definitely ISDE. Mm. Uh, I really want to do that one day. Very cool. Well, I would imagine you're the contenders for the team, I would imagine in 2024, just based on your, your last year's finishes i would assume yeah hopefully hopefully i get to go to spain this year but uh, Ooh, it's spain huh oh that, yeah, yeah. Pfft, i really want to go to spain <laughs> i think it would be so fun nice i just saw where the motocross gp series just added a new round in spain and it's in the town of called lugo and that's where uh jorge prado's from mm-hmm. but it looks like it's just like kind of alpine forest probably like you know northern california so i yeah. think yeah, hopefully you get to go and i bet you'd feel right at home oh yeah hopefully well what are uh Oh, actually, I was going to ask you this, though. What? So I noticed you, you include your dog in many photos, which I love. I would imagine when you pull your gear out, there's got to be dog hair on it, right? Um, a little bit, actually, yeah. Because my little 15-year-old chihuahua, if he's with me, he usually is laying in my gear bag while I'm getting changed. So there'll be like black dog hair on it where my dog, my lab, he's kind of like running around all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, your, your lab looks like a handful. Like it's definitely a good time. Oh, he is a handful, <laughs> but I love him. <laughs> yeah. I swear. Like we have two dogs. We used to have three, but I don't think there's a piece of clothes. Even though it's clean, there's somehow dog hair ends up on it. It seems like every time. I always find his dog hair, like in the foam of my goggles. I'm like, how <laughs> is how's your hair in my goggles? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What's uh so what do you got next coming up? Oh, I think you got works is coming up. Is it this weekend? Yeah, Devore. Yeah, I got works Glen Helen this weekend. And then I think we have Taft and GPC next weekend. Nice. So well, like you said, you got a busy schedule between those two series, which I think are your primary focus. Then you got events like Mammoth and I, you know, Loretta Lynn's, mm-hmm. you're probably gonna do those again. Yep. Well, you got a busy schedule coming up. Yeah, I do. And then uh, I'm also going to add in some of the West Hair Scrambles this year that don't conflict with works in the GPC. So uh, it's going to be a busy year, but I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, you always seem to have a smile on your face and you seem like you're having a lot of fun. So keep having fun. That seems to be the secret to longevity in this sport. And uh, how can people follow you on social and uh, keep up with your racing career? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, My username is katiebugs293. And I think that's really the only social media I have. So that makes it easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, again, appreciate your time. All the best. Congrats on a fantastic 2023 season and uh, all the best on a great season this year in 2024. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com. 
where you can listen to past episodes and find the latest news on the Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life. There you'll find articles and other industry news focused exclusively on two- and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to listen to the latest episode of Pit Pass Moto. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.